0: We all pretend to be someone we're not. Mike poses as a guy's guy. Mom pretends to be a social mover and shaker. Mason pretends to be like Zach, and I play act. Well, all the time. To be kinder, more loving, more interested, more likable, more devoted, more intelligent. More, more, more. Sometimes, I wonder what about me is real. If you strip away all the pretense, who would I be? Would anyone like me? Would I like me? This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books in Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today I'm talking to Jamie Baum, author of Then She Woke Up, a novel about a comfortable suburban stay at home mom going through some mild midlife angst and feeling disquieted about having drifted along without making any real decisions. She takes a few wrong turns until an unexpected girlfriend weekend helps get her head on straight. But nothing prepares her for the shocking event that will completely upend her life. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Galit. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be with you. So tell me, how did you come to write this book?
1: Well, Then She Woke Up was kind of a longstanding challenge that I had made for myself. I am a journalist by background and even in my profession in public relations, I use information that other people give me that's based on facts and I create a narrative. And I'd always wondered if I had the tools and the imagination to make up a story um, that wasn't based on anybody else's facts and that just came to me and, and I thought it would be thrilling to find out. And I put it off for a long, long time, and finally the day came, and I thought, time to just take the bull by the horns and see what you can do.
0: Mm. Then She Woke Up is written in the first person by Joni. She's home raising her sons while her husband works in the family business. Why did you decide, how did you decide to create this kind of old-fashioned setup in such a contemporary story?
1: Well- I decided to do it in first person with Joni narrating her story because I think like so many of us, um, we have a narrative about how our life is and how other people respond to us. And, you know, in my way of thinking, there are no good guys. Nobody's good all the time and no one is bad all the time. And I liked the idea of creating a narrator who people felt... They knew that they could um, relate to, but she wasn't always the most uh, responsible narrator. There, was, I, I wanted to plant a few questions in there. So you weren't always sure if what you were getting from Joni was reality or Joni's reality. Um, and then just in terms of her family setup, it is a very traditional setup, but you know, they say, write what you know. And quite frankly, even though I've been a working mom for most of my adult life, many, many people I know still have that traditional setup. Mm. Uh, And, Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that creates some friction in Joni's life, that she's in this traditional setup that she thought would be a good fit. Let's talk about how you, uh, chose the
0: setting this beautiful wealthy but uh fictional Chicago suburb
1: right i am um i do live in the chicago area and i am exceedingly fortunate to live in a lovely area that somewhat mimics ravine heights so um and and quite frankly i've always had a fondness for the andy griffith show which of course takes place in mayberry and I just, I've always loved that small town idea of being planted somewhere and knowing where you came from and having roots. And um, I've always, and I've equally found it interesting, though, that having lived where I've been for over 20 years now, that so many people who grew up where I live now were anxious to get out and see the world. So there's kind of two sides of the coin. For me, it's always been about this kind of... Um, fantasy about what it's like to grow up and live in the same place all your life but the other side of the coin is are you stuck in that place it's also interesting that it's a
0: suburb but it really functions like a small charming town where everyone knows each other and they all run into each other all the time in different shops in the downtown it's really quite a lovely community it sounds like
1: Right. Well, the upside of that is that you do feel like you have this extended family and people know you and they know your kids and you get a sense that people are looking out for you. The other side of that, of course, is that do people know too much of your business? You know, are there any secrets? Can you have any secrets? And if if everybody knows you and has known you all your life, then who's defining you? Are you defining yourself or are you defined by what everybody knows of you and about you? Yeah.
0: So Joni grows up in a a sporting family. They own several um, outlets, sports outlets. It's run by her father and her brother and her husband. And as the book opens, she, Joni, overhears a conversation about selling the business. What's going on? Why is that a pivotal moment for Joni?
1: I think for Joni, As for so many people, at a certain point in your life, you think you've got life nailed. You know, you you have a roof over your head. You have a steady income. All the pieces are in place. Uh, You fully expect that tomorrow is going to look very closely like what yesterday looked like. And there's a lot of comfort in that. And hearing that this family business that she grew up with might not be in the family anymore, throws her for a loop because it's always just been a given for Joni. And, um, you know, so many of us find us in situations where things that we just assumed would stay the same, whether it's a job or a marriage or your health or relationships of any kind, when those things change, it can be jarring. Mm hmm. Johnny's really
0: kind of an interesting character that, um, you know, she just, she overhears that. And then another thing she overhears or sees when she shouldn't have been really paying attention, she overhears her long-divorced in-laws bickering. and And she's very upset because her husband isn't interested in hearing about it. Why is she so thrown
1: by that? Again, I think... She assumes that things are settled, that life is going to kind of placidly keep going. She's got this lovely, comfortable life raft, and she's flowing down the lazy river of life. And it's all good. Sunshine and roses. Everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And when people act out of character, that's very jarring and surprising to her. And she can't understand what's changing. But she also hasn't given much thought to anybody but herself and her own circumstances. So it creates a moment for Joni to in some respects start growing up where um it's it's I sometimes think of it as a coming of age story for someone who's almost forty.
0: Yeah, because she is um you make it sound like these are like the worst things that ever
1: happened to her.
0: She's really upset about these two incidents that she overheard
1: and i think it is very upsetting to her because there's so little outside of her life to upset her you know it, it, she she's got it all she's got a cushy life and and whether that means that she's financially secure or she's secure in her relationship with her spouse who you know we get a very early look that all is not really as she wishes it would be in that relationship, but she's, she's not a person who's going to rock the boat. Um, but the boat the seas are getting choppy and that really creates a, a big degree of discomfort for Joni. Um, how did you come up with her character? She has,
0: she's a lot of little interesting things. She loves making lists and she reads, uh, the daily message in her tea on her tea bags. And, uh, Though this part isn't that unusual, but she's consumed with her weight, which seems pretty on brand for somebody in their thirties. But
1: what, what drew you to her character? I think I wanted Joni to be someone who my reader could relate to. And I wanted her to feel real and I, she's looking for answers. So the tea bags, for example, um, you know, they have these little wise sayings. I mean, everyone, you, Whether you believe it or not, everyone opens up a fortune cookie and reads their fortune. And we all know that they're printed in some factory somewhere and there's nothing personal about it. And yet somehow we find a way to make it personal to ourselves. And Joni, as her world starts kind of making little shifts and changes, her kids are growing up. She's starting to awaken to the fact that her relationship with her spouse is maybe not all that she hopes it would be. And so she's looking for answers. And maybe a little saying on a tea bag will help her with that. Um, making lists, you know, in her mind, she's a very busy person. So she wants to keep track of things. And in my own experience, I found that intelligent people, when their worlds start getting smaller, um, not less important, but Smaller, where they're not juggling a lot of things with work and other family responsibilities and such. But when the biggest thing of the day is what's going to get cooked for dinner, (laughs) that can be an overwhelming decision. So it's all a sense of perspective. So for Joni, making lists gives her a sense that she's in control of that. And watching her wait gives her a sense that she's in control. And, um, you know, reading the messages on her tea bags gives her a sense that there's direction. And, you know, the the truth of it is, of course, not that easy. It's not about lists and little messages on a teabag. Hmm. Joni
0: says that all their friends and the whole community, everybody lives in that town, and they all seem to be similarly a religious, they're socioeconomically about the same. And as she says, nobody's ever been divorced. So let's talk about the two characters that you bring in who are different from everybody else, her two best friends.
1: Right. I really enjoyed creating Linny and MJ. Um, And they are based on people who I know, but they are fictional characters. And um, these are people who, my experience, I grew up um, outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, and most of the people who I grew up with stayed in Cincinnati. And then, you know, there are always a handful of folks who break out and do their own thing for whatever reason, whatever motivates them. And Linny has some very specific details in her past that drive her to be who she is and act the way she does and make the choices she does. And she does it all very mindfully. Um, MJ chooses very mindfully again where she's going to live and how she's going to live her life. So you have these two women and Joni, MJ, and Linny, who all grew up together, childhood friends, um, who in theory should have a lot in common. And yet two of these two women, Linny and MJ, are very mindful of their choices Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price
0: line. In a third nosy incident, Joni sees her father being extra kind to a secretary and suddenly suspects her father of infidelity to her mother. What why does she keep getting
1: involved in situations like this? I think um is looking to shake things up. You know, I think that she's bored and all of these things that she thought were settled matters. Her in-laws are divorced, but they get along just fine. Her mother and father are happily married and it should stay that way forever. And yet here's her dad giving attention to someone who is not her mom. The family business is the family business and it should stay that way forever. And yet now there's a conversation about selling the family business. Um, her son's are growing up and becoming more independent, and they don't need her the way they used to. Her marriage, of course, is not kind of the the romance that she thought that it was supposed to be. So the world is changing whether she's thoughtful of it or not. And so when she awakens to the reality that things are changing, things are moving, every one of these little incidents for her is kind of another knock upside the head saying, you need to check out what's going on around you. You can't just keep drifting along. Things are changing. And and, and it's upsetting to her. Uh, she's never in her experience. She's always been a follower. She's done what she's been told. So to find out that the things on which she has based her life, the truths that she thought were settled, maybe aren't so settled. It's, it's, I think that. Uh, yeah. I think I laughed out loud
0: during the anniversary party scene, where her mother wants uh, invites a whole bunch of people to a fancy anniversary party, but puts Joni and her brother's names as the hosts. Right. So she, so because it's inappropriate for her to make her own party, but she's just made her own party. Well, how does Joni deal with that kind of control?
1: You know, I have a dear friend who grew up with a mom like the mom in this story, mm-hmm. and there's this kind of tension about having a parent who had this set of ideals for how one should go through life and how one should behave and what organizations one needed to be a part of and what is appropriate and what maybe is less so socially appropriate and how that, that old mentality versus a more modern one that Joni believes that she has um the the the, t- the friction between those the two of them, and you know oftentimes in the book there's she does Joni doesn't openly mock her mother, but it's clearly there. She clearly doesn't value the same things that her mom does. Um, and then when she comes to realize at a certain point that so the impact of her mother's life. How that's impacted what joni's doing it it's uh it's a bit of an earthquake well, she's going to these yoga
0: classes in town and starts talking to the different people in the class and then she starts a little bit of a relationship with with a man in her class um and we could see her starting to spin out of control a little bit why Why does that happen so easily
1: um So this has never happened to me personally, (laughs) but again, I do know of someone who kind of embarked on an emotional relationship with um, someone outside of her marriage and that planted a seed for me because it sounded like something so foreign. I was unfamiliar with that even being a possibility and I think what Joni finds in this person, he's kind of exotic, he's new, he's physically appealing to her, and he's willing to listen to her. And as she starts trying to tease out what's important to her, what's not important to her, really getting to the nut of, how did I get here? Why am I here? And now what am I going to do? She doesn't feel equipped to do it on her own. So, of course, she's going to look around for whoever else can, can help her. You know, she's looking at tea tags maybe, you know, those little sayings. Maybe that'll help her figure it out. Um, so here's this, this handsome person put in her path who also seems to be at loose ends, and they have a connection. And in her dramatic way of now, okay, I know things aren't as I want them to be. Now, what am I going to do? Do it. she lets her imagination just take over and she starts creating something that has the capacity to really blow up her life, um, which she finds exciting, but that's also scary. Um, Mm -hmm. so no, she's, she's, she's a bit of a mess, but sometimes I think we all are. Sometimes I think we all have that Mm -hmm. fantasy about getting in the car and just driving.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's discuss the Girlfriend's Weekend and all the cool places they eat and drink. Everybody wants to know, how much fun did you have researching it? And what exactly is the place with the cake that everyone has to try?
1: Oh, my goodness. All right. So the Girlfriend's Weekend, when I was putting together the book, I knew that I wanted it to be in three sections the first section and and as you noted earlier it's a very traditional setup for a book these days but the first section is kind of here are all the problems the second section is talking about how we're going to resolve it and the third section is what comes out of these various resolutions so the girls weekend i um i had a really good time thinking through all of those things and what would be so much fun to do with my friends and bringing together Um, Linny and MJ who had been on the outs because they have very different approaches to life. One being very rural and one being very seemingly materialistic. Um, And then you have kind of Joni in the middle. She's the glue that brings them all together. Um, I loved that they were kind of patching up some of their misunderstandings. And as much as they thought they knew about each other, really learning all that they didn't know about each other, all that we hold back from people because we want to make sure they think Mm -hmm. well of us. So those conversations between the women was really interesting for me to write. And in fact, when my husband read the book, he said he felt like he got an insight into how women talk to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and then in terms of the places that people go, um, one is based on a club that I went to in New York City that um, I'm sure there are places like that in Chicago, but it was based on an experience I had in New York City that just felt oh so fabulous and glamorous to me. Um, the Everly Club. Um, the Everly was actually a club in Prohibition-era Chicago, so I felt very clever for throwing that name in there. (laughs) Um, You know, Greek town, I think that when I was in my 20s, I had an experience where at some point in the evening, all of the tables in the restaurant got pushed together and it turned into one great big party. And um, in terms of the pastry, I don't think there's a specific place um, that I had in mind. I just felt like they needed to have more conversation and something sweet because I was probably needing some chocolate at that point myself.
0: (laughs) Shoot, I was hoping for a name. You did bring up Blue Mitchell, which is indeed a fabulous breakfast place. Yes, yes. Why is Joni then uh, so uh, shaken up by the soothsayer, the psychic that
1: they go to? Right. So again, Joni... Um, the weekend with her girlfriends is going well. She feels supported. They're having a good time. They're opening up to each other. Um, and she's just really starting to recognize some hard truths about herself and how she's handled her life. And those are things that only people who really know her well could kind of put her, put in front of her and make her accountable for. So, these things are coming together where she's having to get honest with herself. She's having to take responsibility for why her life is going along the trajectory that it is. And then she and MJ find themselves in front of this psychic. Um, one of those things, you know, again like the tea tags or reading your horoscope or looking externally for someone to tell you how to run your life. Um, but her experience is one that just as you mentioned, it shakes her to her core and really starts her thinking in a different way about how she's going to move forward and what she needs to do and how she's going to do it.
0: Hmm. Well, I have to disagree with you, though, about the three sections. I agree with you about the first two sections. But in the third section, you sort of run us off the road. <laughs> <laughs> so just just to point that out. Um this I really enjoyed reading your book. I laughed out loud, and I also felt the need for chocolate because you brought up so much yummy food.
1: <laughs> um, tell me, what are you working on now? So thank you for asking. I am um, really busy. My, I'm working on a memoir of sorts with my dad. He was a broadcaster in the Chicago area for decades and is also a phenomenal storyteller. So I have captured... His stories on tape, and I'm now going through the process of weeding through those and um, pulling out some of the good ones. And I hope to um, have that published. Um, uh, Transcribing is a much longer process than I ever would have expected. But he interviewed people like Muhammad Ali and and Margaret. He was friends with the Chicago 7 when they were on trial. Um, He's just got some fabulous stories. So that's one thing that I'm working on um, that's fact-based. And then I am toying around with what happens next for Joni. Um, One issue that I've always been really interested in is relationships between mothers and their daughters. And I thought that that could be something interesting to explore for Joni and her mom, um, as well as just what the future holds for Joni. I love did. that idea. Yeah, I would love yeah. to,
0: to see what happens to her.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because, um, yeah, I mean, it's really gratifying when people come to you and say, well, what happens to those people? I want to know. I keep thinking about them. So that's mm. pretty cool. And then um, another idea that I'm kicking around is um, about a character who doesn't want to miss out on anything. And uh, I'm kind of – my, my Jokingly, my working title is Mrs. FOMO, you know, Fear mm. of Missing Out. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, trying to figure out how to make that one work out, and um, then a couple of other things that um, use real life incidences as a jumping off point, and maybe take us through some characters who um, you know, we don't often, who we don't run into along the street every day, who wouldn't be a Joni, who might be a little bit more foreign to us.
0: I just want to suggest that next time, please write the names of the restaurants. Where they <laughs> <are>. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today. Jamie, it's been a pleasure. It's been great talking with you too. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining me. Again, this is GP Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking with Jamie Baum, author of Then She Woke Up. If you enjoyed today's podcast and like, would like to discuss it further with me and other new books network listeners, please join us on Shuffle. Shuffle is an ad-free, invite-only network focused on the creativity community. As NBN listeners, you can get special access to conversations with a dynamic community of writers and literary enthusiasts. Sign up by going to www.shuffle.do forward slash nbn forward slash join